When I'm okay with failure, entrepreneurially and on teams, we actually achieve more. So confidence is a need that we all have. We all need to trust the people around us and we all need to know it's okay to fail. And that will build our confidence. Welcome to Tractionville, the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with... Benj Miller. And today, we are excited to welcome Jeanette Wade. Jeanette is a certified EOS implementer. She's an author and a business alchemist. Jeanette, welcome to Tractionville. Hello. All right, we got to go right to your name, your company name. (laughs) Tell us the story uh, behind the business alchemist. Yeah, so Business Alchemist came from years of experience in working with small and medium-sized businesses and sitting in the business lab with them. So what we would now in EOS call sessions. So sitting in the business lab with them and utilizing proven formulas that are out there um, and now using EOS as one of those proven formulas. So having a proven formula that transforms your business because an alchemist transforms lead into gold so all those frustrations you have get transformed into great outcomes. Oh, that's like wonderful. That. That's really, really good. How long have you been um, an EOS implementer? Since 2013. Wow. And you're based in St. Louis. I'm based in St. Louis. And what's your coverage area? Do you just do you stay local or do you have clients all over? I typically stay within the St. Louis metro area or within about four hours of that central hub. So I'm really kind of central Midwest. Oh, okay. Excellent. Well, I know that you've been working on a big project and we're excited to hear about it. Um, but you, you've had a lot of background with teams uh, and businesses. And uh, so tell us, what's your big project? What's the exciting news that you have to share with our Tractionville listeners? Yeah, so for the past year, I've been working on a, a methodology and a framework around team health. Um, it's called The Six Facets of Human Needs, and that turned into a book with Forbes books called The Human Team. And so I'm right on the cusp this fall of launching the book and the concepts around the human team in order to deepen the concept of healthy and team health within organizations. What, what, so what's the story behind that story? Like, what, <laughs> how did you get to there? Yeah, so um, for the past 26 years, I've worked with a number of different size teams as a leader on the team, as participants, as a coach, facilitator, teacher. And those 26 years of observation, discovery, and experience um, within the motivation incentive industry within marketing and human emotion and and triggering buying behavior, within EOS, working with vision, traction, healthy. I've seen a lot of team dynamics. And of course, the common denominator for most, most businesses on whether they succeed or fail is people. And I have a passion around tapping into humanity and leveraging people energy. And so that led to me kind of consolidating what I've seen out there in my business lab and what I've been doing within EOS and other formats um, prior to that. 
and bringing that out so that leaders, managers, and facilitators of people could really get more from that human energy. Jeanette, I love the tagline on your book. So you created a team, but people show up. Oh, Can you yeah. talk us through, take us through the, the six facets that you kind of crystallized around? Yeah, absolutely. So they come from, it's a little bit lengthy, <laughs> but it comes from the idea that human beings come with some natural preset instincts, MOs, um, brain function, right? And we need to understand that's why they're reacting and acting the way they do. But we tend to, in business, spend a lot of time on nurturing and nurturing people to outcomes. So we do a lot of team building activities, engagement, mindset growth, those types of things, but they tend to be short-lived. And so what I discovered in this framework is that you have to bridge the gap between nature and nurture. And that requires six facets of human needs in order to leverage that human energy. And those six facets are, everyone has a need for clarity, a need for connection, a need for contribution, a need to be challenged, a need for consideration, and a need for confidence. So those are the six C's or the six facets of human needs that I outline because you created a team, but oh, people showed up, right? <laughs> and so we have to get them from their nature all that reaction and chemistry and things that are happening to a point where we could truly nurture them on a functional team. And so these six needs help you as a leader, manager, or facilitator really bridge that gap. Can I just pick into some of these and let you kind of dissect them for me? The first one that pops out to me is challenge. And, um, you know, whatever, whatever personality assessment you use, it seems like people are either more open, more energized by challenge or less, but you're, you're pulling this out as a universal. So tell us how it applies universally. Yeah. So this is the one that when we tee up that chapter in the book in particular, we mentioned, this is the one need that isn't that obvious. No one, I shouldn't say no one, but there's a large percentage of people that would never say I need to be challenged out the gate. Where you hear this though, and I'm sure you probably have witnessed this, when you have challenged somebody, meaning you've coached them up, you've supported them, you've, you've helped them see a new mindset or point of view, that after that work is done, after they've leveled up, I almost 100% of the time hear someone say, I really needed that, thank you for challenging me or something along those lines. So we need it, we just, don't, we just don't approach it as I want that right now. But fundamentally, we need to feel like we are, we are leveling up, we are growing, we are improving, we are, we are getting what we need. Um, because if we're not challenged, we're complacent. And most people that you meet don't want complacency. They get bored with complacency. They, they, they start to feel isolated when they're complacent. They, they feel like they wonder if they're worth it when, they, when they're not challenged. So we have a need to feel our worth is being challenged to grow. And that's kind of where challenge came in. All right, so the other one that really pops out to me, and on this one, maybe not so much explaining, but can you give us some tips on how we can all do this better is confidence. How can we give our people more confidence. Uh, yeah, confidence is an interesting one because without confidence, we have apprehension and doubt, right? 
Ooh. And and confidence gets built through um, several mechanisms. Probably the most fundamental um, two that I can think of, because there's a lot that that can build confidence. But the fundamental two are trust. We have a need for a trust framework so we can feel confident to step into space, to enter the danger in EOS, et cetera, right? So we, we have that need for trust. Confidence also is my ability and resiliency around failure. Yeah. That I can embrace, you know, I have a need to not feel like a failure or to be protected. And when, I, when that nature is triggered, I'm lacking confidence sometimes. And so I have a need to feel confident in that my failure is okay. And when, I, when I'm okay with failure, entrepreneurially and on teams, we actually achieve more. So confidence is a need that we all have. We all need to trust the people around us. And we all need to know it's okay to fail. And that will build our confidence. Do you need help hiring your next superstar? Have you ever hired someone to learn that they don't align with your culture and core values? VisionSpark is the go-to resource for companies running on EOS. Their team of search professionals are experts in people. VisionSpark's proprietary process ensures that you hire the right person for long-term cultural fit and bottom-line growth. Let VisionSpark strengthen the people component of your business. VisionSpark, right search, right team, right seats. You can visit VisionSpark at visionsparksearch.com. That's so good. I had a team that I was working with um, a couple months ago, and one of the big issues that they brought up is that they believed they had stifled their growth and innovation because um, just there was such a high standard of excellence it created a the what the words you used apprehension and doubt mm -hmm. to do anything new to try it anything new to step out there so one of the things that they were trying to figure out is how do we actually create some sort of metric to track and then celebrate failures in the organization like we're actually going to celebrate failures um and, and they're still processing trying to figure that out i wonder what you how you would help them think about that yeah, so one of the things, um, uh, the, one of the tools I give in the toolbox um, for human team is around um, a failure acceptance exercise. And it was inspired by Sarah Blakely of Spanx. Love her. And, and so what happened in her childhood, she was interviewed and she shared her childhood experience with her father. And her father would ask every evening, what did you fail at today? And it wasn't a negative experience for her. It was actually a confidence building experience. He filled that need for his children to be okay with failure. And every night they would say, well, this didn't go so well. And he'd say, that's awesome. What'd you learn today? Right? Yeah. Say, how, did you, how did you bounce back from that? And, and so I think coaches, I think managers and leaders need to be able to ask that question. It may be asked in different ways, but so what was your biggest challenge today? What did you fail at today? What was the one thing you wished you could have improved today? And then be really gentle, kind, and supportive around getting them to understand how they could have done it better or celebrate that that was a great learning experience. And failure starts to become that thing that actually feel, feeds inspiration and innovation within organizations because you're so confident that no matter what happens to you, you're okay. And that is where the human need comes in. So I'm so confident I'm okay. 
and therefore I will do anything for the greater good of this business. Yeah. I love, I love Edison's mentality on this whole thing. He, his, his, I didn't fail a thousand times trying to create a light bulb. I figured out a thousand ways that it doesn't work to create <laughs> yeah. a light bulb. So, what yeah. do you say, Chris? I was just going to, you know, when I, when I look at the, the six C's and I think I know what they are, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, can you talk around the human need, the consideration? Because that's the one I, I'm, I'm questioning. Yeah. Um, so without that need being met, we feel disregarded and we become counterproductive, right? So if I'm not feeling considered, which is my being regarded in the organization, and I purposely chose consideration because on observation, a lot of businesses think that it's all about recognition and reward only, which typically means money involved. But the human side of it isn't always about the money. Consideration right. is that I'm considering the whole person that's in front of me and what they need. Probably my favorite thing around consideration, because there's a lot of things to do with that. My favorite thing is um, the book called The Five Appreciations at Work. It's, it's based on the five love languages, right? so that we understand that people have different approaches and ways they like to be considered. And I'm looking at this whole person in front of me and saying, okay, we're having a human experience together. Let's embrace our human moments. I see you is probably the best summary of consideration. I see you. And because I see you, you feel considered, regarded, and important here. And therefore you're way more productive on the team. You're not counterproductive. Yeah, so that that helps me tremendously because now when I hear you say it that way, I immediately go like I'm tying it to EOS, right? And I go right to the L10. The L10 is that platform where everybody's opinion can be considered. Yeah. Like that's a tool, an actual tool in EOS that, that kind of addresses all the C's, right? Absolutely. Even the check-in, you know, good news, personal, right? Um, yeah. I'm being seen and heard and considered as a whole person. So Jeanette, the, in, in the book, um, is it, you mentioned you have some tools. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So some of the tools are things like just exercises on how to facilitate confidence, right? Um, I have a clarity framework that will be in the book around how, instead of just answering like what questions are in clarity, but how do you really frame clarity so that everyone gets it? Um, part of that is inspired um, from experience through EOS. So, you know, clarity comes from context, right? You got to set context. Right. You have to be clear on what you communicate and you have to be clear on what the conclusion is or what the actions are. So using um, context communication and, and conclusion as a framework for getting to the why, what, how, et cetera, of, what's going on so that person's absolutely clear because without clarity we are confused as human beings and with confusion we're ambiguous we take we, we do the wrong things or we don't take action and there's a stall out so we want to make sure we're absolutely clear so there i have a number of different tools like that and in the um connection exercise i'm helping them really get um, connected as a team to understand each other better. So I do a three, two, one tool. Um, you might call it a trust builder in EOS. It's one of, it's, it's yeah. potentially another trust builder to build connection and belonging on the team. So understanding, you know, your three, um, biggest events that impact your life, you know, two childhood memories that are definitive of why you are who you are today 
and one big fear that you have so that we understand what triggers you. Those are, uh, you get into childhood memories that shaped you and, and one fear, you're getting really deep really quick. That, yeah. that can be vulnerable. Um, you mentioned briefly that a lot of these six are outside of compensation, outside of money. Um, they're, they're the more human piece. But I am curious because you have a background history experience and in incentives and compensation. How does this play into uh, the team aspect, the people aspect? Yeah, so it's really separate from the book, but I, I do mention a little bit when I'm talking about consideration about incentives and, and motivation. I probably fall more into the Daniel Pink um, on motivation TED Talk, um, given all my background and experience that typically with service-based economy, incentives don't work real well. Um, so compensation-based incentives typically fail, but we continue to do them because they're kind of habit in the US in particular. They're just okay. considered part of what we do and we don't know why. We don't even know if they work or not, but they become entitlement and they become, people perceive them as just part of their salary, so they really have no impact. It's just part of the job. Where um, true consideration and incentive typically is a non-cash activity. So giving gifts might be, you know, like the love language, so giving gifts. Um, those could be considered incentives as well. So, you know, I, I baked you some cookies, I gave you a gift card, um, I wrote you a handwritten note. Those types of things actually motivate incentive. And then also I think incentive, the challenge need, typically that's about investing in people. So challenging people is being a coach, being a mentor, you're investing in people. And so when I'm investing in you, you feel valued. Your need is being met in that way. Are there, um, is, is incentive com when you say it doesn't work, is that um, a fairly generic but universal statement? Or are there some, uh, like if I'm a, you know, we are, the typical is a sales guy, right? Highly incentive comped. Um, when you say incentive comp, is it just random bonuses that don't work or is it, uh, is it also when we're tying performance and comp together? It can be both. And a lot of times they don't work because we don't put the proper work and framework behind them. And so we just do it kind of as a second thought. Well, if, it, it, we, if you do this, you get that kind of formula versus if you do this, we get that. And the, and the outcome of doing that can impact. What we find with a lot of sales incentives is that um, while they're motivated, they might be motivated by it, that they impact the organization in different ways. So they, and a lot of times there's some selfish motivation and impacts operations as an example. So we don't typically look at them holistically for what outcomes we really get from them. It tends to be a singular individual goal setting and, and salespeople are motivated a lot of times by challenge. So that need for challenge a lot of times shows up in salespeople because they're naturally competitive the incentive didn't mean a whole lot, although they love the money. So you can't unpeel sometimes sales incentives away because it's so entrenched in the way they're compensated that that's a difficult one. But for most operational employees, um, it doesn't work anyway, and they're not as entrenched in the compensation. Yeah, yeah. All right, I, we didn't mean to, but I think we're going to hit all six of these. So um, <laughs> the, the contribution what comes to my mind, you can set me straight, is what is my role in 
view of an EOS language, that VTO. Like we have a VTO, what's my role in there? Where do I fit in there? Is that what you mean by that? Or am I taking this too far down EOS? So road? a lot of times roles come into clarity. My need for clarity is where do I fit in? And, okay. and that, but I can't contribute unless I know my space, right? So yeah. contribution is, you know, where is my space in this? But I think when I'm talking about contribution, I'm talking about my ability to contribute to the team because it is a human team we're talking about. It's an organization. Without, con without my ability to contribute, I'm distracting or detracting from the team. So if I'm not fully in con contribution mode, if you haven't coached me to contribute appropriately, I am detracting and distracting this team. And then, so what will happen is typically two things. Um, one's called the Ringelman effect. The size of the team matters, right? So size matters. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so Ringelman effect basically is something from, you know, decades and decades ago. But what he found was in a rope pool, one person pulling a rope gives 100% effort on their side. When you add a second person, it's not 50-50, but the second person doesn't pull 100%. And the more I add, the less contribution each person is adding. So size matters on teams for everyone to be able to fully contribute. So less is more on team size. So that three to seven range we often talk about being on teams yeah. is really healthy. The breaking point in the research is 15. When we cross over 15, we no longer contribute anymore. And we, we start to create factions and we start to separate and we're no longer inclusive. And so we want to make sure we the ability to contribute as a human being on the team requires less people and the more contribution we get from you. So your need to be able to be contributing gets met because you are, you are a smaller portion of the team. The other That's thing, amazing. yeah, and so it, when we think about that, it's easier to talk about why we're telling people less people in the room is when we're talking about EOS, because yeah, a lot of times they want to add more because they're guilty about, well, they all, I want to bring the 15 people on my team in, and I'm like, sure. it just won't work because 10 of them won't contribute. Yeah. Their need to be contributors won't be met and they will distract and detract from the team. They'll, they'll create chaos and, and they, will, they will do all kinds of instinctual things. The other thing, when we're not contributing, um, we are reacting. So when we're distracting, we're actually dealing with our amygdala. So when I'm not contributing, I'm reacting. And when I'm letting my amygdala, which is my fight, flight, freeze brain, I am literally about 25% dumber in that moment. And so I'm not contributing at my full mental capacity. So my ability to contribute on a team, you have to allow me to be at my full mental capacity, which means as a facilitator, a leader, or a manager, I have to be mindful of how I'm triggering reactions on teams and the makeup of the team and how they react with each other um, allows for them to contribute. That's amazing in there that the science of the breaking point of being 15, creating fractions, it's almost like nature's taking over to take us back down to that seven, you know, that number, that healthy number in the room. Um, who, who is it that has the two pizza roll? Was it Jeff Bezos? Yeah. Somebody that, you know, no, no team should be bigger than to be able to be fed by two pizzas. So I, I think six, seven people can eat two large pizzas. Probably, <laughs> probably about right. <laughs> Um, you know, it's interesting. I had no, I had no idea the science behind that, but in leading, uh, I've led brand strategy sessions for 16 years with senior leadership teams. And I've never let more than six people in the room from the client side. Um, because that's why I've seen it. You, the, 
you know, the minute you get more in there, there's, there's people that are in there that just shut down and stop contributing. If you've mm -hmm. got four or five, everybody's engaged. Everybody feels like they have a voice. Yeah. Um, so thank you for bringing the science to that. Jeanette, is there, is there science behind the order of the six facets? Kind of like Lencioni's pyramid, right? Based in, starts with trust. Is it the same for these six facets? Yes. Um, a kind of a yes and no. Um, there is science behind the order. There's yeah. also no requirement for the order. So I, I might be, so I said, looking at the whole person, if I was talking to you and coaching you or leading you, um, you might only have a gap in consideration, right? So I have a coaching tool that I, I put on my website where you can assess where people are and, and, and build a coaching plan one-on-one -on -one with them to see which need is not being met because the whole person needs to be in balance and all six of these facets mm. need to be met. But if you're starting just from scratch, just looking at a raw human being, the first thing they need, they need is clarity. Then, then they need to feel connected to the team because we're talking about a business team, right? So I'm clear on who I am, why I am, what we're trying to accomplish. I, I'm connected to this team. I'm now able to contribute to it. We're now able to challenge each other or I'm able to be challenged. Um, we're now able to consider each other and we're now building new capability and new courage and trust and we're building confidence, which is going to lead to higher levels of clarity. It kind of, it kind of flywheels on itself. Sure. And you have an assessment for each of the six. There's one assessment, but each of the six have about three questions in that assessment. Okay. Yeah. Oh, great. We'll make sure that uh, we get that in the show notes, make it easy for people to find that. That's really yeah, interesting. People are typing on their computers right now trying to find it. So tell them where that is. <laughs> it's at <laughs> business-alchemist.com slash the human team. Perfect. Yeah, Tractorville will be in the show notes. I'm excited for everybody to dig into that. I'm going to go do that. Um, <laughs> Jeanette, uh, where, what, as we wrap up, give us, as we go back to work, you know, a lot of people love the podcast on their drive-in, start their day and their day thinking about their week. As we, as we gear up to go back, what's the biggest piece of advice you could leave us with, your wisdom on creating this team full of humans? Yeah, I think as a leader, manager, or facilitator, um, we often get frustrated by our people, or we we find them ineffective, or we we get you know tough people issues, and we don't know how to manage it. And mainly because we're not doing three things. One, we're not doing so. The three things are awareness, acceptance, and action. One, we're not aware of why this nature is there and what they're really doing. We forget we're dealing with animals, human beings are animals, right? So there's natural, and we, we, we kind of feel like they're animals at times. We're like, oh God, these people. But it's like, it's like herding cats. We'll, we'll use other terms for animals, but we, we need to have this awareness that nature and needs and nurture are phases and for, we need to get these needs met. So this awareness around people, we need to have acceptance that we're dealing with whole human beings here and if we want to coach the outcomes we want, we need to accept that and accept our role in it and that people are normal. This is normal. I Every time a team puts an issue of people on the board, I'm like, and they don't say the word people, I go, oh, people, a human being, this is awesome. What do we love about this? 
I don't love anything about this. They're ineffective and they're frustrating. I was like, <laughs> no, but they're being a natural human being. This is great. We, we, can, we can work with this, right? We know what this means. And so we're aware of it. We accept it. But the biggest thing is, is once we know that, we have to take action. We have to take action on getting these six needs met in people because without those six needs being met, they're just in natural instinct. They're just in their natural MO and they're in, in that brain function. And we can't get them to the nurture side where we actually get outcomes, engagement, motivation, mindset growth. And we get frustrated by that because we just keep throwing stuff at the wall and nothing works. And so if you can focus on being aware that you're dealing with a real human being, you can accept that person for where they are and your role in it, because a lot of times leaders and managers cause those human being reactions and don't realize it. Yeah. yeah and yeah. take action where appropriate, where that need isn't being met. So good. Jeanette, you have been a pleasure. I can't wait for your book to come out. I think it's going to help a lot of people. And if you're on the fence about buying it, let me read Gina's quote uh, for this book. A must read if you're frustrated by managing people in your business, wish your teams were more effective, or want to create a healthy organization. And if you're listening to Tractionville, I know that you want to create a healthy organization that's more effective or else you wouldn't be here, part of the tribe. Hey guys, join us next week for another Tractionville Tuesday. In the meantime, jump on our website, tractionville.com. Drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. If you've had a favorite episode, if there's somebody that you'd love to hear from, a topic you'd love to hear from, uh, or just want to tell us how we make your drive more enjoyable, we'd love to hear from you. See you next Tuesday.